The doctor's like, oh, I need this number, this blood pressure controlled, here's a pill. Oh, your diabetes out control, here's another pill, take more insulin. Oh, you're in pain, let me give you pain medications. All that gets us is people who feel dependent on a system that is beating another system that's not working. We're sicker than we've ever been. We have the worst, some of the worst life expectancy of industrializations, but we spend the most money of anywhere in, the, in multiple countries combined. We spend more money. We're dying sooner, we're sicker, and we're living miserable older lives because we're sick younger. So it's a, it blows my mind. It really does. Welcome to the Yogi Triathlete Podcast. We are Jess and BJ, and this podcast was started because many of you wanted to know more about the high vibrational recipe of life that we found through many years of refining and the one we still live by and improve to this day. We believe that this recipe is our purpose in life. In fact, in 2016, we got rid of everything we owned and hit the road to spread awareness that living a more vibrant life is within reach for everyone right now. At the launch of episode one of this podcast, we turned that purpose into the premise of this show, knowing that there were more people like us on a mission to share their unique messages with the world. Dr. Lori Marbus is one of those amazing beings. She is someone who knew her purpose to become a doctor from the age of 10 and 19 years later attended medical school while simultaneously playing the roles of a wife and a mother to three young children. Her climb was steep and motivation high, and while in medical school, she wrote seven books. Dr. Marvis is another YTP guest that leaves us with no excuses. She received her dual degrees, MBA and MD, from Texas Tech University Health Sciences Center School of Medicine and TTU School of Business. She is a double board certified family medicine and lifestyle medicine physician who's been utilizing food as medicine since 2012. She is co-founder of Plant-Based Telehealth, which provides access to plant-based lifestyle medicine across the United States, and she is licensed in all 50 states. She is co-founder of Healthy Human Revolution, whose mission is to provide resources that will empower individuals with the knowledge, tools, and mindset to successfully adopt and sustain a whole food plant-based diet. You guys, the list goes on. But to sum it all up, she's a medical doctor in this modern world who believes that a whole food plant-based diet is often more powerful than her prescription pad, and we want to shine a big old light on that. Dr. Marvis, welcome to the show. Uh, Thank you for having me. That was very kind of... (laughs) (laughs) So I think uh, we'd be remiss if we didn't jump into your story. I love your story because um, it just speaks volumes to, you know, walking the talk and, um, and you had a massive transformation in your diet and the way that you lived because of a patient. So we'd love for you to share that story. Yes, that actually, it goes back to a little town called Rifle, Colorado, which I I just kind of like to put that out there because when you think about Rifle, the people that are walking around with rifles is about the people you're going to see. So these are hunters, these are ranchers, these are people who are raising cattle to feed other, you know, to sell to grocery stores. So this is the type of the environment that I was in. And I was in a small town that's about 12,000 people. And one day back in early 2012, a patient came up to me and said, hey, Dr. Marvis, you know, meat and dairy upset my stomach. I said, okay, stop eating meat and dairy. seems like a reasonable thing to do (laughs) and come back in 30 days. And we'll kind of just start adding things back in. And knowing, you know, 
in, you know, you just kind of understand there's other foods to eat, but you don't really think, oh, there's only plants left to eat. Like, you don't think about categories of foods so much when you're telling someone to do that, or at least I didn't. <laughs> um, and what happened was she came back in 30 days, and she didn't come alone. She actually brought her daughter, who was 16 at the time. And remember, in Rifle, there's not going to be restaurants that are plant-based or vegan options. You have two grocery stores. You have Walmart and it's like a city market or a Kroger's or just another supermarkets. They're small. And so they had to buy their food and cook it at home. So they were eating these unprocessed whole plant foods because she really took what I said to heart. When I said remove meat and dairy, she's like, okay. And her daughter to support her mom actually did that with her. And so she was cooking and eating the same foods. And over the course of 30 days had quite a transformation in herself. And she brought her daughter, made her miss school on a, okay, I'm thinking to myself going, somebody's in trouble. Cause she's like, now you tell Dr. Marvis what you did. I was like, ooh, someone's in trouble. <laughs> I'm like, oh man, to come to your mother's doctor's appointment and miss school. I mean, that's, that blew my mind having been a mom myself. And um, she goes, well, Dr. Marvis, I felt so good after doing this with my mom that I stopped both my ADD medications. And <laughs> I know you're sitting there for a moment, you're trying to process those words coming from a teenager. It wasn't the, the mom removing the meds, it was the teenager saying, I feel so good, I don't need these medications. And to think about teenagers, teenagers are, you, you know, we've all been through our teens, but sometimes I think we forget that we're, our minds are not quite where there will be in 10 years, and they're certainly not where they were children, but they look for the easy way out, right? They're like, if I can take a pill and feel better and get my homework done and mom doesn't scream at me, great. If my teachers aren't saying pay attention, great. But she actually noticed she was better off meds than with the meds. I mean, that just spoke volumes to me. And she goes, you know, Dr. Marvis, and the mom was like, yeah, why was she able to do that? And not in an angry tone, but in a tone of like, wow, if all I had to do four years ago when she started these medications was tell her to go eat some plants, well, that's what we would have done. And because then you're avoiding the side effects of medications, all, all the things that come with being on medications like this, living with the diagnosis. And people start to, you know, when they say, oh, I'm ADD, it's like, no, you're not ADD. You might have ADD, truly, but you're not ADD. So they start identifying with the disease process, which again, over decades of practice, you kind of understand people's language and what they're doing mentally. And I was so astounded by this transformation in three days. I said, well, what were you guys eating? And they go, well, what you told us to eat. <laughs> I'm like, no, 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 really, what were you eating? You know, it's like, like I said, I've got a dim, dimmer switch that got to be pushed up slowly. And they just kept talking to me as we went down and it was like fruits, vegetables, beans, and whole grains. And um, I'm sitting there going, wow, so you were just eating plants. They go, well, yeah, <laughs> that's what was left. I'm like, okay, I get it, I get it, the light's on now. And so what happened was I, of course, stepped out of that meeting, that appointment, and I Googled, you know, plant-based eating or plant-based diet with ADD, one of the first books that come up was Dr. T. Colin Campbell's book, The China Study. I ordered it off Amazon, read it literally in two days. I mean, it was, I'm sitting here, I remember vividly sitting on my floor in my bedroom against the bed because it was comfortable and I would just run through these and I'd tell my husband, I was like, look, they're literally reversing, you know, cancer with plants. This is crazy. They're turning the switch off and on. Sorry, that's my dog if you hear in the background, that's Daisy. Um, <laughs> and uh, the thing that occurred to me was, wow, I need to do this with all my patients. And then the next thing is, wow, I got to do this with my family. <laughs> and that wasn't such a big deal for me. I, I, I've been fortunate. I don't have, you know, 
weight issues. I mean, I certainly had my thyroid issue, which I can, that's another story. But, um, you know, I had three teenagers at the time. They were 13, 15, and 18. And my husband, God bless him for being a nice human and understanding and totally supportive and all my crazy schemes. Um, I, I was thinking here, how am I going to do this one in practice? How do I convince someone to do this? How do I tell them to do this? I'm reading what am I going to do with the diabetic? What am I going to do with the hypertensive? What, you know, I just didn't know what to expect because there just wasn't the things that we have now. Ten years later, it's a whole other world out there. You have all this amazing support um, from other physicians. You have social media connecting you. Um, I think I'd only been on like Facebook for like a year. <laughs> so it was like it was not the same. And... Um, so luckily, Dr. McDougall had a few articles written for physicians regarding diabetes because one of my first patients that, as I was transitioning to my practice in this, came off you know 60 units of insulin as a type 2 diabetic in 72 hours. And um, that's just like, who, it wasn't like she had massive weight loss. It was just literally the reversal of this insulin resistance. And anyway, so over that period of time, um, I said, okay, I really want to test this on one other patient, kind of in a different category, was inflammation. And so a couple weeks later, I had a, a lupus patient come in, and she was uh, young, younger than me at the time. She, I think she was 40, um, 39, somewhere in there. And I said, you know, she told me about her, she was on 12 different medications. She was having migraines five out of seven days of the week. She was about 50 pounds overweight. She was on high doses of prednisone. She was on medications that um, had been used for cancer treatments, immune you know, suppressants to calm down this autoimmune disease called lupus. And what happened was she's telling me all this stuff and I'm thinking to myself, there's no more medications. Because in a small town, you kind of have to be the specialist. You have to be the endocrinologist. You have to be the rheumatologist until you can get them to those specialists. Because when you're on the other sides of the mountains, uh, the Rockies on the west side of Colorado, it's like, it's rural. It, there's some, there's Grand Junction, which is a little bit bigger town. But, you know, if you have a sick patient, you have to fly them over the Rocky Mountains to Denver. Mm. I mean, this is really, there's no pediatric ICUs on the west side of Colorado. So it's a big deal. <laughs> you're doing a lot of different things. So as I'm sitting here going, there's not any other medications that I can prescribe for you. I said, but would you be willing to change what's on the end of your fork? Because I really think this might be the powerful tool that I'm reading about, this anti-inflammatory component of this diet. And she says, I'll try anything. So before she left, we measured CRP, which is an inflammatory marker in the blood. And it was three times high normal. And she came back in two weeks. So they said, I can't have you come back in 30 days. I said, I need you to come back in two weeks. This is very exciting. And her CRP at that time when she came back had dropped out just outside of normal. She had lost eight pounds and her migraines were gone. Fast forward five months, 50 pounds lighter off seven to 12 meds, including all the lupus medications. And um, anyway, at that two week follow-up, I was so astounded. I went home, it was a Friday, and I said, that's it. We're going on a plant-based diet, guys. And I literally took, <laughs> I took my, my a, a garbage bag and threw everything in it, the milk, the eggs, the cheese, the whatever I had in the fridge in the house. And my family, I was um, very, uh, fairly strict. I, we were both military, my husband and I, we had military. I just got out of the military when we moved to rifle. And the kids understood that, like, listen, I don't have time. I went to medical school with you guys. Went to, we've been all over the place, you know, with military. It's like, what you eat is what you get. So they weren't too picky. They knew not to argue with me so much. So when I said we're going to plant-based that, they're like, ah, it'll be okay. Mom will get over this in a month or so, whatever. 
Well, what happened was two days later, we had a, a freezer in our garage, and there was a quarter of a grass-fed beef in there. He's now thinking we're doing the right thing by doing grass-fed beef. I'm going, what am I going to do with this? If you've ever been to Western Colorado, there are things that are will attack you. There are things that can't you don't want to attract with a carcass so you don't just throw it out in your garbage and hope it'll be okay so you're thinking what can i do with this very large amount of food um maybe to the animal shelter or something i was trying to come up with some solution but 48 hours later we had gone to church and we came back and the freezer had broken and the liquid i don't know if you all have ever smelled this but it's just like this mm, the raw flesh the smell it just the the mm, stickiness of it was just horrible and my husband's like you know if you hadn't been with me i'd have swore you to unplug that you know the freezer yourself i said nope i think that's just god telling us we have to get this done and literally my life has never been the same and so yeah my daughters went on to graduate medical school she is a physician now uh starting her family medicine residency yesterday and she's plant-based and both my boys are and my husband lost 70 pounds um, my thyroid improved my allergies went away completely which i thought i'd had for the, all my life and um yeah, that's it in the short. It's a long story, but a very condensed version. <laughs> very powerful story. Yeah. yeah, it was so interesting that you talk about like the smell when the freezer broke, and that totally was that was divine intervention. Going, let me help. Let me help you with this. Let me just yeah. help you out with this. Like, we'll we'll Absolutely. take care of this for you. I love that. I see that all over my life. Like when you're awake to it, you see it everywhere. You know, oh, yeah. uh, you get a lot of help. Um, but it was interesting because I was in Whole Foods the other day, you know, in Del Mar, California, which is a very upscale town. And it's, it's not just that Whole Foods, it's any market I go into and the bathrooms happen to be around the, you know, the meat area. And that's all I smell is decaying, mm. decaying flesh. But when I was ordering my grass-fed beef, I certainly didn't smell that. Or, you know, it's just interesting how acutely aware you get because like my food, the broccoli and the Brussels sprouts and the kale that we had for dinner last night and the quinoa, none of that smells like putrefying flesh. It's really, really strong. It's, it's tough to be around. So I can't even imagine what your, your garage must have looked and smelled like a crime scene. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Nope. Yeah, it was. It was really bad, and it must have. It must have died a day before because it was all. It, it wasn't like in the defro. Like it was already mostly defro. Like the, the 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 freezing process had already pretty much gone away. It was like very squishy, and the smell and the liquid. It was just. It was just something I don't ever want to experience again. But the same thing, you know. It's interesting. You know, I spent the first four decades of my life eating, I, well, I thought was healthy. I mean, we didn't do a lot of processed foods and sodas or anything like that. I never drank and I never smoked. So we kept, you know, I was always active. But now, you know, we'd eat meat and cheese, but now I go, I can't even smell this, the, this, the cheese smell, that mm-hmm. fungi, mm, it doesn't, it's not appetizing. You used to love that. But, and then the meat section, I get kind of physically ill. If I have to go down the meat section, I'm like, thank God it's on that far side of where I need to go. And I can just avoid it and stay in the vibrant, beautiful colors of life on the produce section and go down a few halls, you know, other aisles that I need to for canned beans or whatever. But uh, it's just, it was, uh, it was just too much for me at this point. And it's funny how you change over time. 
Um, Do you think that's like your, your kind of your microbiome showing up too, right? Like we know microbiome has a lot to do with our cravings and stuff. And mm -hmm. so we're filling it with these higher vibrational foods, like higher mm -hmm. nutrient dense foods that that kind of stuff in and of itself, the way it looks, the way it smells, like our, we're just instinctively, our guts are like, uh-uh, don't put that in. Well, I think you have a different relationship with food and that oftentimes what I, I, when I speak to patients, it's really interesting because they see these foods as, there's a few different ways I look at people, patients coming at different levels and I've really learned how people have a different perception of food at different times in their lives. So, you know, for some it's like, this is a memory. Uh, for example, I had a patient tell me that she used to, her dad would bring Cokes to them on the weekends and she was really struggling. She's doing great plant-based diet, but she can't give up the soda. And then that creates other, because she feels so comforting in that, that emotional response. And there's other times that patients feel like they're giving up what everyone else has. So like then they're feeling deprived. So you have to kind of change the voice that's going on in the head. So for me, when I see meat, I see, you know, certainly through my own podcast, you know, interview the director for Earthlings and for the Game Changers. And you're meeting people who are going to these places. A good friend of mine is John Pierre. And, you know, you're t they're telling you things that you see and things that I remember as a child seeing, you know, pigs slaughtered, you know, that we use meat for an entire winter season. But you remember that process and now you have a different relationship to that product or that process and you see the suffering. You see the animal for a being. And that's really... Um, I think that it's just a different thinking, but it certainly could be, obviously, you're feeding your body different nutrients. You're changing your inner, inner self and that spiritual side of things absolutely is things we don't understand, nor will we ever probably for a long time. <laughs> it's like, mm -hmm. it's a beautiful trend. I think it's an eye-opening experience. And it's just a, it, I honestly feel it's like the most, yeah, how do you describe that? I think it's the most positive force that you can have when you can bring healing into someone's life without causing suffering somewhere else. So that's, you know, if someone telling someone to do a keto diet or a paleo diet, someone has to die. They have to sacrifice their lives. You know, you can't look at a dog, speaking of, you know, daisies right here. I can't look at those and not think that's not different from a cow or a cat, you know, it's different from, uh, you know, a pig. You know, you look at these animals in it just really changes your inner being. And that was not that case in the beginning. You know, not that I wanted to cause suffering for animals. We had animals since growing up and for the kids, but um, it's a different relationship now. I mean, it's completely different. For example, when we moved my daughter to Boston for her residency, my son, Gabe, who's 22, and he is full-on vegan. Like, he is telling everyone he's got definitely the ethical component down and he's just the climate and he's like young millennial that you're like, go man, go. Um, we're sitting and waiting to get on this boat tour and this bee comes out of nowhere and he could have landed on anyone, but he lands on Gabe. <laughs> and Gabe is sitting there and I videoed this, I put it on Instagram and he's like, wow, look at this, there's a bee. And you can still see the stinger and I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, I was like, that's impressive, Gabe. You're not even sweating because I've been stung by bees. And I know my instinctual response is to like get away. And he's like, oh, mom, it's okay. He's just looking around. He's just smelling. And he goes, I'm just going to walk him over to this flower. And he walks him over to the flower and he hops off and he's happy as a little bit. I'm like, okay, that bee was drawn to you for some reason outside of all these other people. Because I think, you know, it, it was really interesting to see that even on that little small scale. I just can't help but think that that bee was drawn to Gabe because... I know no other human that could do that, personally. Yeah. Well, he was he was safe, right? There was no yeah. there's no energy Threatened. of threat, yeah. and I guess yeah. um, you know to to 
I, I always think about Daniel in the lion's den, right? Like mm. all these lions, but they didn't attack him because he had no, he yeah. had no, um, you know, he had no fear or no threat within him. And, you know, yeah. we've heard many sages and yogis and mystics say that very thing, you know, that y- you can stand in front of a, a tiger and the tiger will lie down. Mm. Um, we've seen this with yogis who have, you know, re- reached high levels of, wow. uh, of consciousness. So it's just, that's what I always think, like be- bees, I mean, flies and mosquitoes and like I've killed before, right? Mm. And, uh, and now... We spend a lot of time saving bees on the beach because the tiger, for whatever reason, they're always on the sand. But I never get scared about you know bringing them up to the to the plants. That's a beautiful story. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. And he's got the voice, right? Like he's yeah, got the, he's he's, he's just his on purpose. it. Like I'm like, wow. <laughs> and he's like 22, and I was like, I didn't, you know, he. But he also, you know, he's told me he goes, yeah, mom, and I see that, you know, here in Colorado. The sprinkler comes on, the, the, the worms start working across the, mm-hmm. the sidewalk. And then by 11 or noon, they're dried up. And But Gabe actually makes a point of going out and putting them back in the grass. And I'm just like, it's just, it's really cool to see that, um, the kid do that. So it was, it was really fun. I feel very confident in his future that he's just going to make, you know, really good decisions and decisions that are going to be helpful for him and others, all others. So it's pretty cool. You, you were talking about change, touching upon change and how someone would, would change their, um, you know, because we've all been there. We've been on one side and now we're on the other side. And it's like, oh, my God, of course it's possible and it can happen. But we, we run into so many people that say, I could never do that. I can't do that. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't just mm-hmm. give up meat. I can't, I can't just eat all plants. And, mm-hmm. and I, I was listening to one of your YouTube videos recently where you were talking about habits and the, and the mindsets that we, and the belief systems that we form and we, we attach to because we believe it's, it's the only way. So how, do, mm-hmm. how can we, how can, well, how do you work with your clients to shift that or, or, or help them understand that it's a belief and that we can create beliefs about anything we want. How do we shift that in people who are eager to change but just can't quite make it happen? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the, there's, you're going to have this spectrum, right? You're going to have the people who are just not interested. And I always, you know, it was a hard lesson to learn, but it's a lesson to know that I can't help everyone. That my energies are going to be better spent on the middle and this far side. You know, so even people who've been plant-based for a very long time, you know, sometimes they need it. They run into things like menopause. There's a whole nother wrench in the monkey wrench into the system. And that's another, you know, or maybe they are struggling with depression. You know, there's still going to be people who are got the diet, but then you have these people who are like, they can't imagine life without it. So you find what is that story of, you know, I have a Rolodex now of stories over a decade of working with patients on plants of somewhere they would connect, right? So um, let's say you have a mother who's like, I can't give up meat and dairy because my kids won't eat it or my husband's not on board. You know, what is the excuse? Is it the excuse that's an internal or is it an external, right? Because if you look at the external excuses in those circumstances, depending on those, there are ways around it. There's always a solution to an external pressure, right? It might be hard at first, but you can do it. Um, you know, you can batch cook um, with time. You can batch cook things for you and then make the meat for the other, or the other person can cook for themselves. There's lots of different things. And if they're kids, you get what you cook. This is the way it is. That's called parenting. And I tend to be a little hard-nosed about it, but I've raised three amazing young adults. Now they're 27, 25, and 20, almost 23. I feel very confident that works. 
their they can wash their clothes, they can cook their food. Anyway, so that's just parenting. <laughs> That is one of my favorite things to talk about. But anyway, so when you move in that direction, I always think there's a there's a couple of things. One, you have to instill hope that there's change. So they, if you're speaking to someone who's 22, they are healthy and they're immortal in their minds. What's going to be important to them is going to be climate change. So it's pretty easy to navigate to say, listen, your choices make a difference because as a collective, when we are all making the same choice, that's going to make the difference. It's going to make a difference in our future, your future, your children's future, everything. And I think they can see that, and the millennials are really connecting to that. When you have someone who's maybe um, middle-aged or a, a single person, and maybe they're starting to they're struggling with the weight, you know, they're like, "But I lost a lot of weight on keto." I was like, "Well, then I talked to them about the science, right?" It's like, "Well, what is the ketogenic diet doing for you right now outside of helping you lose weight?" Because you know, if you stop this, the weight's coming back, right? You do realize that because you've not fixed the initial process and this inflammation because um, they feel, you know, foggy brain or they feel fatigued or they're constipated. They have GI issues and all these different things. So then we start looking at the science of eating plants will promote longevity. It promotes better health. I said, you know, I tell patients, I listen, I'm 50 now, but I guarantee you, you're maybe 30 now, but you're going to wish you made this decision now because in 20 years, because kids are getting sicker younger, you know, type two diabetics in their teens, even earlier than that, you're going to have the things that your grandparents had earlier. You're going to have them when you're trying to raise a family or you want to have babies and can't because you're infertile or you're so tired and going to doctor's visits, you can't afford to have a family or do whatever. Um, that is, it's always those emotional levers, right? If there's others who just say, I don't know how to cook, but it's a pretty easy thing. I like, well, what do you like? Some of them have aversions to fruits and vegetables for whatever reason. So then we talk about the science that says, you know, after you try something for about 18, 20 times, you'll start building it into your palate. But you have to have the desire and the willingness to do that. Um, but I always just try to find what is it that they can see themselves and still hope in them, a change for one if they're sick. I was like, this is how you're going to get better. It's really easy to use plants because everything gets better. No, but there's no ill side effects to this at all. Like, there's just not. You go on a keto diet, there's definitely going to be some worsening things occurring. Um, and I have lots of stories of people who came off keto, went to plant-based, and had dramatic turnarounds. So I use a lot of those stories because um, a lot of times those people are hearing that easy, they're eating meat and they're eating all these things that they like that 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 they've been told is okay. And here you are saying, oh no, you have to walk away from those, eat something that's outside of normal. It's getting more normal, right? Um, but of course I push a whole food plant-based diet. So I even, you know, I'm, I'm happy to use, have people use transitional foods like the Beyond Burger and stuff, but that's not a whole food plant-based diet. That is still unhealthy, but it's better than the, <laughs> the other. Um, but I've just found that I just, you just have to touch with them on some level that's gonna bring some emotional response. And once you find that, I exploit it to all I can. So, right, so if it's they're worried about being around for their kids' graduation or they're worried that, you know, or I had one lady who just honestly wanted to get on a plane to fly to Norway to see her daughter. And she goes, I have to use up two seats. I don't want to use two seats anymore. Because I asked her, I said, what would your life be like if you didn't have this problem, which was her weight? Or what would, you be, what would your life be like if you didn't have diabetes? Or if you had diabetes that was well controlled, if you have like a type one, or what it would it be like if you didn't have to spend, you know, every waking hour worried or in pain, um, you know, or less pain? 
What if you could get a better night's sleep? What if you could have the energy to know what it feels like to be normal? We've lost touch of what it's like to feel normal. To feel normal is not to worry about medications and to have the energy to get up and do what you need to do um, and deal with the stresses of life. Um, it cognitively, the clearness in your thinking and your emotional responses. Granted, we all have our ups and downs, but it shouldn't be like this. Mm -hmm. um, so that really, I find... The two things, if you can find on that emotional level, because those emotions are going to drive beliefs, which will drive their behavior. And um, so I connect to the emotion. I help them kind of change the vision, what they're seeing, kind of if it's skewed, kind of get it right for them. And then say, this is, could be your future. This could be the potential. This could be where you're headed. So I really need you to start thinking about it. And they just don't, no one's ever talked to them like that. The doctor's like, oh, I need this number, this blood pressure controlled, here's a pill. Oh, your diabetes is out of control, here's another pill. Take more insulin. Oh, you're in pain, let me give you pain medications. <clears throat> All that gets us is people who feel dependent on a system that is beating a, another system <laughs> that's not working. We're sicker than we've ever been. We have the worst, some of the worst life expectancy of industrializations, but we spend the most money of anywhere, in multiple countries combined, we spend more money. We're dying sooner, we're sicker, and we're living miserable older lives because we're sick younger. So it's a, it blows my mind. It really mm. does. <laughs> it, yeah, it blows our mind too. It really does. <laughs> and then there's, you know, there's some of those medications, and you know, both BJ's father and my father are on them, where you have to stay away from the foods that would actually do the same thing. Like you, you're on this, so you can't have broccoli or dark leafy greens. And, and um, there's a fear factor around that letting go of the medication. How do you, oh, let, me, let me ask you this. So let's say, and maybe this has happened, maybe this hasn't, but you're working with a patient and um, then they go and see maybe the doctor that they've seen so, for so many years. Mm -hmm. And not because that doctor is a horrible person, but because perhaps they don't have the knowledge or the information or they're not living a plant-based you know, plant lifestyle. And so they introduce fear around um, not getting enough, let's just use the, the low-hanging fruit here, not getting enough protein in their diet. Mm. Ha, and then they come back to you. How have you, have you had that experience? Oh, and oh, oh, yeah. Oh, multiple, multiple times. So first of all, I never, ever, unless I feel like someone's getting such severe bad advice, that I, I never speak poorly of another patient's physician. Because unless I really feel like there's been multiple decisions made, and I'm like, hmm. Maybe we shouldn't go back to that one. Let's try something else, you know. You know, um, and that's very, very rare. That's happened a few times, but like very, very rare. I always tell them, listen, your doctor has a toolbox, right? We go through medical school, we go through three to five years of residency, all that's after college. They spend a lot of time and energy and a lot of money to become a doctor. And we can't have every tool in every toolbox. It's really hard. So don't judge them if they haven't put those tools in their toolbox yet. I didn't have those tools in my toolbox until 10 years ago, right? And so, but I also saw it as a benefit to a spectrum of patients. So it would behoove me to do that. Um, and I was just interested because it was a natural curiosity. Um, <clears throat> so I start there just so I don't want them to feel like they're put in the middle 
of fighting with me and their doctor. And then I go, okay, well, let's just look at the science. So I try to take the emotional component of it and let's just look at the science. So let's look at the science and just some real practical examples. For example, the elephant behind you on the tapestry is a good example. What does this very large mammal consume on a day-to-day -day basis and they get plenty of protein? They're like, oh, I was like, and that cow that you have eaten or they're slaughtering, where do you think that cow, you know, even if they're, if they're grass fed, not the ones that are fed the grains and other places, but you know, where are they getting their protein? They're getting it from the plants, right? And so what we're doing is we're just cutting out the middle cow. We're going straight to the plants. You're going to get plenty of protein. I guarantee it. And if someone tells you otherwise, tell them, we'll ask them about the gorilla, the giraffe, and the elephant, and the pig, and all these herbivores that we're eating. Where do you think they're building their muscle from? So the protein question, it comes up less often, actually, I'd say in the last two years, because um, I think there's been such a push for people to understand plants, actually, or the plants make protein. I mean, we don't make protein. We consume it. The animals don't make it. I mean, we make proteins. We take the amino acids, but we don't make the actual amino acids. We eat those, and the, or we're eating something that's already has them in them. So we don't actually take the sunlight and create the energy to make the amino acid that makes the protein. That's a plant job. We can't do that. So we need to consume the plants for that. <clears throat> so it was just been really, those are the conversations. But there you'll get conversations about, um, I've had doctors tell me, <laughs> how can you tell your patients not to eat meat or dairy? They need to eat cholesterol. I was like, did you forget physiology? I mean, our, your liver will make all the cholesterol you need unless you have, you know, there's some genetic um, family stuff like familial hypercholesterolemia. That's an issue, of course. But those are rare cases. For the majority... Um, you're going to get to the cholesterol you need. If we had stayed eating a plant-based diet, because I have plenty of patients that were plant-based, went through beautiful plant-based pregnancies, are raising amazing plant-based kiddos. From day one, they're not going to build this plaque and the cholesterol and the disease that starts so early, as young as 10, in the United States. They're not going to have to deal with that because they never put in their body those things that are elements that are gonna create the disease process. So, you know, you just have to go back to the science, remove the emotional side of it so they don't mm -hmm. feel like they're in between two authoritative figures and they wanna be respectful. Um, and sometimes, however, <laughs> patients wanna keep working with me because they understand what I'm doing. Like, I have one patient in particular that comes to mind um, and they'll tell their physician, hey, I'm working with this doctor, they're you know, doing my diabetes meds because I need better blood pressure meds, and they'll get very offended, right? Um, some of them are like, they feel like I'm encroaching on their territory and that I may be, and, I'm, and I, I tell the patient, I'm said, you're open to maybe search out someone else. If you can't, you know, it's okay not to necessarily tell them everything. <laughs> you know, feel free to hold back. You don't have to like go feel like you're going to see the priest and you know, giving away all your sins, you know, that's telling them you're confessing, but that's okay too. And you, or you can extend your follow-up, just reschedule for three months and then you can go back and say, look how good I'm doing. And then you have evidence that what you're doing is working. So maybe they'll feel a little bit less threatened, but we're humans um, as everyone, everyone, you know, we all have our, a lot of people will connect to their careers and they identify that's if someone questions it or changes their decisions, they can feel um, judged you know, like we've all been to dinners, I'm sure, and you're sitting there just minding your own business, eating your, your plant-based meal, and someone goes, so what are you eating? And you tell them, and they're like, so you're saying what I'm eating is unhealthy? <laughs> like, 
wait, where did I just get pulled into this this this, this argument? I was like, I haven't even said anything. I was just trying to eat my sweet potato, <laughs> you know. But that has happened to everybody, and so you know those things there. I like I said, I just try to remove the emotion and focus in on the science. How do you? Okay, so it's all normal to us, right? Like we plant based yeah. diet. Like we're living the we're living the benefits. I feel great at almost fifty. Uh, yep. We're both endurance athletes. Recovery is is you know it it doesn't yep. seem like this is anything but the norm. But right, you're still a disruptor, and so oh. I'm curious. I'm curious. How do you personally navigate? Because you're human with feelings and emotions and a heart, and you know mm-hmm. you've got you're a mom. You've got the nurturing you. How do you personally navigate when you do get backlash? Because it doesn't feel good if you make somebody upset, you know, or you elicit, you know, anger from somebody because you're you're on the you're on this path to you. Mm-hmm. I know your purpose. Your purpose is better health for everyone. Right. But how do you personally navigate it when it's coming back at you? Honestly, it doesn't bother me anymore. It just doesn't. And so this, and I think I've just gone to the point now and I've seen so many, I mean, imagine the thousands and thousands and thousands of patients I've seen literally over the last, you know, I've been a doctor for two decades and I'm looking at the last 10 years, almost 10 years of working with patients on a plant-based diet. Granted, I was fumbling a little bit the first year. It got better. <laughs> and I feel like I've really honed in now. So thank you, patients, back then. You've been such a blessing to me. Um, but when I start seeing the pullback, I am so convinced and know that I'm right that if they get, if I get pushback, I'm like, then convince me that I'm wrong. I'm like, if you have a valid argument, I am one to be open and I will go search out. If there, there was a reason I literally went overnight to a plant-based diet and my entire family with three teenagers. I dare anyone else to come up to me and tell me that that's not the, a hard thing to do. And if you say that, then you've not raised three teenagers. <laughs> I was like, and you live on the west side of town, on the west side of Colorado called Rifle. Tell me, <laughs> there's no community. There's no other doctors. On the, I thought I was the only one on the entire side of Colorado. Like, I'm it, this is it. And to be that convinced, you know, it's uh, is such a deep core belief uh, in me that I've seen every single patient who does this get either a little better, a lot better, or most of the time it's a whole lot or even completely reversed. Their lives change. I've seen their ripple effects of them touching other lives, that they're, they're pushing healing into places I'll never have access to. But it was, you know, me talking and having those conversations. So when patients and people or whoever comes back to me and they seem angry, I'm like, first of all, if they're angry, this is not my thing. It's your deal. So I really have no problem with you being angry. Actually, let's talk because I know I'm right. (laughs) I don't say I know I'm right, but I certainly, I get really excited and just like, okay, let's keep talking because I have so much experience and so used to that. Honestly, I welcome it as like, Maybe I search out conflict sometimes when I shouldn't. Um, my daughter is adverse to conflict. She's like, Mom, you like it? I'm like, well, you know, maybe that's why I joined the military. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. But there was, um, I do just find it enjoyable to just kind of look at someone who comes at you with just like bullets blazing and totally disarm them. Because then they walk away. If anything, Maybe there's a little bit of a pride thing. I should probably let that go. But, you know, when I'm looking at them and I'm seeing them going, hmm, food for thought. Because nobody probably, if they live their life like that, if they're coming to me as a physician and they know how much I've done, I literally 
started plant-based health. <laughs> like literally they know this is what I do day to day, day to day. And they are coming to me with bull, you know, guns blazing and shooting things at me. These are people who are used to overrunning people in their lives because they have a belief system. They have to do it either because they want to be in power. And honestly, that's okay. And I'm welcome, but I'm not going to be a, a, a wall that crumbles. I'm just not. And um, I just, you know, I use humor to disarm people. Or if it's someone else, I've never gotten to a yelling match or anything. But I think people get so tired because they'll have an excuse or something. I'll just pull out scientific study. I'll pull out patient experience. I'll say my own experience, my own family. And they're just like, they don't have the evidence to back up their claims because it doesn't exist. But if they do, show it to me. I am happy to read it. I was like, show me the scientific study that just shows, tells me I can't get enough protein as plant-based eater because obviously I've been living off air then for a decade. Or my patients who have done this for 25 years. Or please tell me because, you know, or the patient that just vegan and she just popped out a healthy baby. What's going on here? So please tell me exactly where your evidence is. And they can't because they're used to people being so bullied. You know, they're like bullied. They're like grown-up bullies. The way mm. to best dis disarm a bully is... <laughs> One, you're showing the evidence that they're, you're not going to punch me. Well, if you do, <laughs> there's another issue. But, you know, or they attempt to. Um, but that, you know, those are the things I just consider them, one, they're hurting. They have to have power so they feel better about themselves. Two, they truly believe they're, they're right and that maybe they feel someone that they knew didn't do well on a plant-based diet for whatever reason. Or three, um, would they feel attacked? Because I'm telling them internally, just like that person who said, oh, you're eating a salad, so you're saying what I'm doing is not healthy. You know, maybe they feel like, wow, judged. And nobody wants to feel judged. They just want to feel heard. So I listen, and I just come back with the evidence that I know is already there. Um, but I'm, I always tell them, but please, if you have other evidence, send it my way. I am happy to read it. Happy. So. This, this. You're very passionate and uh, <laughs> and <A> confident, <laughs> confident yes. and passionate. So you have this confident inner, like helps. you know, you know, like yeah. you have this knowing. So you you were in the military, you became a doctor, you're my mom of three. Like, is there anything early on that did that you that you felt uncomfortable as, or was this always oh. something like you just had a knowing that this is the way things should go or need um. to go? You know, it's funny. I, I'm definitely a spiritual being, street, street beliefs. Um, but And so I always relied on prayer and uh, definitely a higher power um, for decisions that I wasn't unsure of. And that, But I also grew up in a home that was, um, um, what's the best way to describe it? Not kind, dysfunctional, right? And so, um, and... I'm actually estranged from my immediate family, my parents and my sister. And um, I don't think about that a lot just because it's not beneficial for a lot of people to know, but just to understand that you have to be okay with removing yourself from circumstances that are harmful or you're very toxic, um, which I had to do. And um, growing up in those circumstances, you I always felt like the victim in the sense or that was always my fault. So then when I started being surrounding myself with people who didn't have that belief system and were living a different life and were happy with things, even when they were going through tough circumstances, that really made a big impression on me as a child and a teenager. I was very blessed to have two very good friends with amazing families who were basically my parents who would step in 
and times that I, my parents couldn't or, or shouldn't or couldn't, wouldn't, whatever. And so that was really helpful. We didn't have a lot of money growing up. So I didn't, I mean, you know, we didn't have the internet. We didn't have a lot of resources. My grandmother was a very strong influence in my life. And she lived with my husband and I for eight years. Um, <clears throat> Well, she battled uh, breast cancer and a stroke while I was in medical school. And um, many medical school was not only tough as a mom, but, you know, my husband drove 100 miles one way to work each day my first two years. I had my grandmother. Um, my third year, she had breast cancer diagnosis. She went to chemo. She had a stroke after that. And um, lots of other things. But we made it together as a family. My husband is a very um, amazing human. First of all, that's huge to have someone in your life that you can count on. So my grandmother was that growing up. My husband and my kids are that now. And so you need to have that community around you so you feel confident, right? So if you feel confident in your personal relationships and in your relationship with yourself, knowing that when you screw up, it's okay because life will go on. And, you know, hopefully you didn't make really big screw up because a doctor, you can make some big screw ups and harm someone. I never want to harm anyone. Um, and so... I would say yes. I think, you know, the other thing that happened to me, which was really interesting, I used to be really shy, very um, critical of myself, but I also knew that my education was key for me to get out of my circumstance. But I always wanted to be the popular kid, right? So I was a dorky looking kid, buck teeth, big ears, big head, weird eyes. It's just strange looking. And <laughs> that doesn't even make sense. You're so beautiful. Oh, no, no, no. You had to grow into I it. Have, I have pictures that you'd go, oh, okay. Um, it'll be silence. Like, okay, I get it. Um, you know, so you just, like, it, was a, it was a weird circumstance. You know that 13 age mm. group? God bless all 13-year-olds. Um, I wanted to be a cheerleader so bad. Oh, my gosh. So I remember you know, you'd go and I tried out for a Sixth grade to go into seventh grade, and seventh grade to go into eighth grade. It was, you know, kids are balloting. I probably didn't get one vote except for myself. And <laughs> and it was funny. So then I go into ninth grade. I was like, darn it. I worked on doing the splits. I could do whatever, you know, cartwheels and handoffs, whatever. And um, I worked on routines and music. You know, you put in your cassette, you're taping off the radio, and you're playing. <laughs> <laughs> all the dance stuff. And going into ninth grade, there was two elements that was a little bit towards my favor was there was a student decision, but also teachers and coaches would vote. But they kind of had the bigger majority. So I made it in my freshman year. And so I was a cheerleader in my freshman year. And then afterwards, after living that one year, I was like, I looked back at myself and I remember being so shy that I couldn't even talk to someone, that I could go and do that. If I could conquer that, why can't I conquer other things? And, and I decided, too, that I, I loved being a cheerleader that rear, but I was like, this was not for me. I'd rather go join the science club and the math club that I've already been in. <laughs> I'm stuck to that. But it was really fascinating, that little bit of confidence boost. And if we can inject that into people, ha let them see wins and really celebrate that with them and understand that there will be hard things, but you just got to keep working and you may or may not do, but you were going to learn so much about yourself and grow in that experience, that's just going to be tremendous. And I think that's been the benefit of looking back on your own life lessons. But don't look at them as failures. Look at them as, it's like my patients whose blood sugars are maybe too high, or their blood pressures aren't controlled, or they're not losing the weight. I say, listen, this is just data. This is just data. We're going to make different decisions. We're using the data, and we're going to go and make different decisions based on the data. And... You know, the other element that stuck to my head was my grandmother 
she always told me the things that she regretted. And I said, I refuse to have regrets in my life. So even if it was the wrong decision, I need to understand that it was a decision I made at the time. It was the best decision I could make, either, you know, based on the evidence that I had. I didn't have a crystal ball. Regret comes with the 2020 vision of looking in the hind, you know, the rearview mirror. And I just refuse to live with regret. And if there is something that I feel made a wrong decision, if I can write it, I will. And you have to own it. You know, when I was a intern, which is your first year into residency, so you're a doctor for the first time. Like my daughter started her intern year, internship yesterday. And she's calling me, telling me about, you know, I was in clinic. They, I walked in, I'm like, Dr. Marvis. I'm like, Dr. Marvis, this is great. <laughs> Emily's a Dr. Marvis. But anyway, I was so excited for her. And I was rounding with the surgeon. So in, in Texas, where I trained, um, family medicine, we plugged in everywhere. And so I was with a surgeon, and we have to round first. And we would take care of the patients and write the orders. And he, um, I apparently, he did gastric bypass. And one of the patients actually had a low potassium that I had overlooked. And we're rounding with him. And he goes, look, this potassium is low. Who didn't take care of this? I was like, oh, my sorry, it's my fault. I'll take care of it right now. Like, that would be the normal thing to do, right? Um, he stopped. And he goes, what did you say? I was like, I'm sorry. That's my fault. I'll take care of it right now. It completely overlooked to make it as part of my checklist. And he's like, you're the first intern or any doctor that I've worked with that has actually owned their mistake. They try to blame it on someone else. I was like, hmm, there's mm. another great lesson. So I own that. And so from that on, he loved me. He would call me way too much. Like, Lori, can you take care of this for me? Lori, can you do that for me? <laughs> but it really spoke volumes because if I can own what I've done wrong, and sometimes it's really scary because you don't know what's going to be on the other end of owning up to something. But most of the time, our imagination is way worse than reality. And we just need to accept it because then you bring in the peace because when you don't correct what you can or if you don't come to peace with it, I can't sleep. And I always tell my patients, like, listen, I got to tell you everything. We're going to make this decision. If I worry about you, I need, I can't sleep. So we just got to do this. Let me get some good rest. But your mind needs to be put at rest. And that's just what I found. And I think that confidence comes from knowing that even if I make the wrong decision, I'm okay to write it, even if it's hard. Because I've done a lot of the hard things, you know. Yeah, I mean, you are such a, you're the poster woman for staying the course. And I love how, you know, you could look back on your grandmother and say, oh, all she did was complain about the regrets. But you don't look at it that way. You look at it like, wow, she taught me to live a life where I don't have regrets, right? And Absolutely. you could say, oh, this doctor that didn't like everybody and everybody didn't like him. And then I, had, I got stuck with him. No, he actually taught me the lesson yeah. of being truthful, right? And these are yeah. very, um, you know, truthfulness is such a beautiful yeah. tenant from, for life because you never have to hide from the truth. It's fluid. Right. It just goes right. everywhere with you. I absolutely yeah. love it. Um, I'm so glad that we got to see this side of you and um, that we got to kind of dive into you as a, as a person because I want to mention that you have an amazing podcast. You have an amazing YouTube channel where people can really dive into the stories the data, the information, the science behind what you're so passionate about. So can you tell us, let's start with human, uh, human, healthy human healthy revolution. Human yeah, tell sure. us about that. And then we have to, you have to tell us about plant-based telehealth because that's Yeah, amazing. absolutely. <laughs> um, so healthy human revolution um, started with Anthony Masiella, who's also my business partner with plant-based health, and Jason Cohen, because um, we were sitting around, each of them lost either 120, 160 pounds. Um, 
Jason lost 120, has gone on to run 100-mile races. Uh, Anthony lost 160 pounds, has kept it off for 15-plus years. He's got a really amazing story as well. And um, we were sitting there, and and we'd known each other and became good friends. And we we're like, how can we help others? Because we all had this driving force. You know, I was doing what I could with my practice. They were doing coaching or talking to people. And we're like, let's build a platform that we can provide the information, help people make that transition. Where's the tough spots? Let's come up with, you know, because one of the courses that we have for free is batch cooking. We have free courses on um, building up your immunity. We have, I have a free one with even superhero cookbook. I got eight little superheroes from vegetables for kids and families, and I walk them through what they need. You know, I hear things people tell me, I can't do this, I don't have enough time. There's how to save time in the kitchen. So that's where that came from. The podcast is part of that. Um, it started five years ago um, because I really wanted to understand human behavior, one. And two, I wanted a resource to send patients to. Please go listen to this. Go, this story, this is here. And after five years, I've gotten, oh, I'm closing in on 300 episodes. That would be the next big one. And I've just, I'm, and plus, I tell people, I was like, it's a very selfish thing. I get to meet amazing people. Mm -hmm. And so <laughs> I can, you know, like yourself, like, I, I would never have been able to do that before. And this led to amazing opportunities. It's opening doors. The first time you do it, it's a little scary, you know. So Chris Miller, who's a good friend of mine, who's on plant-based health as well, was my very first interview. Went to her house, and I had, you know, I've changed technology since then. But that's been an amazing journey. But, yeah, the Health Human Revolution um, has been an amazing experience and um, just a really good opportunity um, to connect with people. <laughs> yeah, I agree. It's It's been, oh, man, this... This podcast has been such a, it's such a labor of love and I've never touched it with anything but love, right? Like, oh my God, it, there's so much to do. And I've, <laughs> we've always just shown up for it. But the people like yourself, the people that we get to have conversations with, people who are doing, you know, have overcome uh, obstacles in their life, who are, you know, disruptors, who are you know, out there for the betterment of the whole. It's, I just can't have to pinch myself. I can't believe that I that I get to do this. It's so amazing. So yeah, I totally get you on that. Um, and then tell us about plant-based telehealth because both BJ and I are going to be going to our parents to say, uh, sign up, we're going to pay for it, just do it. Awesome. No, that's great. Um, it was interesting. So uh, back in 2016, I actually, um, my youngest was a senior in high school and I was offered a job by Dr. Joel Furman to be his medical director down in Florida um, for a, a place where people could come in and stay with us for extended periods of time. So I moved down there in my, my son's senior year, my husband stayed back. We had been deployed apart for multiple months, you know, Middle East, wherever. And it was a tough decision because I didn't want to miss Gabe's my youngest last year, but we understood this was an amazing opportunity. So I went to Florida. The clinic was open for six months. And um, again, I think this is divine intervention. I have amazing, I have patients still now in Plebisol from then, but our investors pulled out overnight. And I literally, it was a, it was a tough time because I literally went from having a job one day to no job. And to have that happen was like, I I was thrown into the middle of turmoil I had never had. I mean, I had kids in college. I had moved. We had two places we were paying for. I was like, well, this is interesting. <laughs> <laughs> and um, what was interesting was I had a friend of mine who I had written um, 
we had connected years ago, many, many years ago, and where I had written for some Livestrong.com on different things. And we had stayed in touch, and she had messaged me, like, literally maybe six weeks before, hey, there's this other telemedicine company. They're looking for docs. If you're interested, here you go. I was like, oh, I'm doing great. Thanks. Um, but I'll, you know, pass it along to someone if I see someone. Well, I remembered that, and so I reached out, and we connected. I ended up working for this telemedicine company. It's a national telemedicine company. People call in for colds or cough and UTIs or whatever. You know, it's acute care, basically. And I was thinking, I could do this while I get my next brick-and-mortar job. That was my thinking. No. I, the, the, the universe had a whole nother plan. I just didn't see unfolding until now I see it, uh, how it unfolded. Um, so I ended up doing that for two and a half years. And in that process, when you have patients coming in and you're only supposed to spend 10 minutes with them addressing their issue and moving on to the next patient, um, one, it's exhausting. But two, you see their past medical history because they're filling that in. You see their medications. And I'm like, hey, you're a diabetic. Oh, hey, I see the high blood pressure. You're on four different meds. Have you ever heard of a plant-based diet? You know, and talking about lifestyle elements and different things. And it really intrigued them because they think they're just calling for something, you know, our video, it's all video, um, for a very minor thing and getting off. And like, it ends up being, you know, 30 <laughs> minutes. And I am not making near the money I should because I get paid per patient. And uh, it's like, this is, my husband's like, you're useless. Because <laughs> like, I might as well just, you might as well not even be working. I'm like, well, I'm having, this is great. So the patients were booking appointments for follow-up on diabetes, which this platform was not meant for. I mean, you can make appointments, but it wasn't, it was not meant to be creating this element of relationship mm. for chronic care management. And I was telling Anthony about this and he's, he's intrigued, right? Because then I was getting invited to their headquarters because um, they would take a subset of uh, physicians and that they won quality awards, which I did. Um, and they would invite you to come and they'd have this really cool, very transparent, you know, meetings about their workings, what their plans were. And I was learning about the business side of things and talking to their C-suite. Their C-suite would come to me and say, hey, Lori, your data is really weird. We're looking for marketing. So we had people, you know, kind of looking through the labs and seeing what the data, but yours is quite skewed from the normal. A1Cs are going from 11 to six in three months. What's going on? I was like, I'm feeding them plants. They're like, okay, what else are you doing? I'm like, I'm feeding them plants. Are they working with anyone else? No, they're eating plants. And <laughs> and I'm sitting here going, they're looking, they see the skewed data. Obviously, I'm doing something different. Their business, I understand this business model. We can reach across. I'm like, so I'm telling Anthony all this stuff, right? And he's like, Lori, we should start our own telemedicine company. I like, oh, God. I like, Anthony, I don't think you understand. These people have, like, venture-backed capitalists. I like, I... I have an MBA, but I don't know about this. There's a lot going on here. The, the, the medical space, medicine is complicated. And then you throw it into a new type of space where we're just entering and understanding telemedicine, where the laws are a little fuzzy and insurance. I mean, I understand that just from being a doctor and all those years of practice. Um, I was like, uh-uh. <laughs> He's like, okay, let's, come on, let's do it. And I was like, ugh. All right, fine, but I have to quit this job. So I found another job in a was doing um, some amazing people from uh, uh, over in Nashville that I was working on doing some other stuff that wasn't telemedicine. So I was okay to move on and do other things. It took us a year and three months to organize it, to pay lawyer fees, understand the technology. Uh, um, 
all the red tape, uh, labs, medicines, EHRs, marketing, billing, payments, contracts, whatever. And you know, so you're sitting here going, oh my God. And the thing is, we saw, we knew there was a, it was going to be hard, but we didn't know how hard, but we just kept hitting an obstacle. So Anthony and I are both very like this. And we just kept knocking him down, knocking him down. And then we started having conversations with like Cyrus and Robbie from Mastery Diabetes. Chef AJ, they're like, yes, do it, do it. And you're like, so you're like, yeah, okay, we have people in our corner. And they were instrumental in helping us get started. They were so generous with us. They still are today, very supportive of us. So thank you guys, everyone who out there who sends us patients. And we we launched um, literally the month COVID started sweeping across and everything was shutting down. So we had spent 15 months planning and getting ready to launch how is this going to be received? How are we getting people to think about telemedicine is okay? But instead, we just had a worldwide pandemic that did that for us. So, I mean, granted, I didn't. I would never wish a pandemic on anyone, obviously. But I can't help it. God's like saying, yeah, this is what you're going to do. Because this pandemic came from people not eating what they should be. And people are chronically ill. This is what's going to be harmful, and here's the solution. So I'm going to take down the barriers of procedure telemedicine everyone's going to be looking for because they don't want to go places and get sick. Doctors are going to be needing it. So I have these amazing physicians contacting us. with these patients who are reaching out to us. People are looking to get well. You tell me. If those stars don't align, those stars don't align except once in a millennia. I mean, it's just like you can't. You can't make this up. Like, this is just what happened. And it's just been growing since then. And we have an amazing team. So it started with me and 16 licenses and Anthony answering the phone and doing everything else. God bless him. <laughs> and um, we started, then we brought in Chris Miller uh, a month later. Then we brought in Dr. Clapper. And now we've added um, five other docs. We'll probably have 10 by the end of the year. Um, we're in all 50 states. I felt compelled as an owner of Plant Based Health to be licensed in all 50 states um, just so we could be in every country. And D.C., we see internationally as well. Um, my docs are getting other licenses. I can't, I don't want to see patients in all 50 states, but I felt like I needed to be present to be there to support. I will pull back over time. I'll still see, see patients, but, you know, now we're having monthly meetings. You know, we're building this core of amazing network of physicians. Okay, I mean, I cannot tell you how honored and humbled I am to be in presence of people who really are wanting their life to be getting people well. I mean, it's such a different environment because we've all worked in probably toxic environments where people weren't supportive of one another, but we're, it's just, it's just really cool. It's like going to a veg fest or going to like the plantation project or ACLM. And my husband calls us like, you're just plugging back into the mothership. It's like, yeah, mm -hmm. it's like plugging into the mothership because honestly, it's just fueling you. You feel this amazing thing. And Anthony is just incredible human. He's, he's so supportive when we're bringing on, we're actually bringing on investors and we're expanding and we really want to be a place to help physicians learn how to practice lifestyle medicine on a national level. We have some pretty major projects in the works. Um, so yeah, it's, it's <laughs> it can, an idea to this thing that just blew up and um, continues to grow. And we're still in our infant stage, I feel, because I can't imagine that it's going to get, I mean, I just, once people hear about it too, they're just so excited. It's like, wait, what? What do you do? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know we got to wrap this up, but how, how who would be the people who want to connect with you and and like what is the process like? Yeah. You know, one, two, three, like yeah. 
Appreciate that. Um, basically, they go to plantbasedtelehealth.com, and they can click on there. The first thing they could do is um, actually request a portal invitation if they wanted to just go ahead and make the appointment. Um, there's also Meet the Docs. Um, I mean, people can see Dr. Clapper, like literally see Dr. Clapper as a patient. I mean, how awesome is that? So, you know, if you live in a state that Dr. Clapper's licensed in, um, so we have docs, some docs are licensed in 20 states, some are in four, some are expanding even further. Um, so they can meet the docs, they can pick out which one they want to see, schedule the appointment right there, and you're good. There's also information. We have past webinars that we've done. We do Tuesday, Thursday, or excuse me, the second and fourth Thursdays of every month. We do free webinars that people can sign up for. They can watch the past ones. They can go to Facebook and watch them um, on demand there. Um, so we have a YouTube page that we're also trying to provide. We're working on some group visits, um, which will be a lower cost for everyone. We're trying to you know, we don't accept insurance right now, but we can provide a superville that you can actually give to your insurance to get reimbursement. We certainly have patients do that. It was just too much to bring on the billing aspect because I can't, I can't even tell you how difficult that is. There's literally thousands of different plans, and you have to be in credentialed with each of those. Anyway, it's, it's, a, it's a nightmare to do. Um, so we try to make the cost as minimal as possible, but lean organizations so we can be around for 10 years and the next 20 years and bringing on the next generation of doctors as I retire and whoever retires to really provide the care that's needed. But who would come to see us would be maybe someone who is healthy, but they're a plant-based eater. They're like, you know, I want to make sure my nutrients are okay and that I'm doing this right. Or maybe they are been uh, told about the plant-based diet and they're plant-based curious, but they have diabetes and hypertension and or they have GI mm -hmm. issues. Or maybe they transition to a plant-based diet and they're having all sorts of gut complications from it, which I think is one of the number one reasons people quit a plant-based diet. Um, so we can work with those folks. We can order labs, we can order medications, we de-prescribe, um, we prescribe if necessary, which certainly can do. You know, we're um, also bringing on hopefully our very first specialist uh, by the end of the summer, a cardiologist. We're hoping that's going to be available. So we're really working to make this a all-encompassing ability you know, unless you need hands-on care, you know, if it's an emergency issue, obviously I can't help you. Um, but we can get that, those educational opportunities and that medication management and all those things that answers questions in a safe environment uh, for people. So it's, it's, but we have amazing doctors. Do you mind if I tell you who their names? Um, no, tell it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I have Dr. Chris Miller, Dr. Michael Clapper, um, then we have Dr. Kim Scheuer, uh, Dr. Nikki Davis, Dr. Colin Zhu, Dr. Jeff Pierce, and um, Dr. Elizabeth Fontaine. And so they're all over the country. We have people who speak Spanish. We have French. We have people who can do sign language. Um, we have OB-GYN, family practice, internal medicine, integrative medicine. Um, it's just amazing. I mean, look at these. We have Dr. Zhu went to culinary school. I mean, oh my goodness. So I can't wait to utilize him. He's one of our newest members. So, um, but yeah, there's some amazing, amazing talent. Uh, the I call it the brain trust. I feel smart every time I meet with them. So it's just a really incredible opportunity. Oh my God, yeah. this is what the world has been waiting for. And I just, I love the, <laughs> I believe that timing is always mm -hmm. divine, right? Like we just, we follow those hits. If they're scary or if it's like, oh, it's too much you know, and you want to go and hide, like just keep moving forward. Keep living from your heart. Keep, know what you want in this life, right? Like you, you want to mm -hmm. help people feel better in this life or assist them in feeling better, empower them to feeling better. 
And when you look at your plan, right, we could even look at medical school, like what an inopportune time for you to go to medical school, 29, (laughs) three kids, one of which that was 10 months old, you know, starting this business when your husband's like, you're you're not even bringing in enough money. (laughs) And I think that's just such a message that we that we speak here at Yogi Triathlete is, you know, like just Mm. be in the moment, like take the next logical step and, and let, let life unfold for you because the way that it unfolds Mm. is always beyond. There's no way that you could have foreseen what you're in right now in one year and then where you're going. Like, it's just, it's so amazing. It's so amazing. I love what you're doing. I'm so glad that we had a chance to talk. Oh, thank you so much. I mean, honestly, and this this kind of goes back to the confidence thing that you were mentioning in a question. I just really want to push that people will be presented opportunities. Don't be afraid to do the hard thing and do it, right? Because if we're always living in fear, we're never going to take those opportunities that lead to something else. So I was a little concerned about leaving my son, but he's fine. He didn't need his mama his senior year of high school. I was obviously in touch, but I went off and I learned some amazing things from Dr. You know, Furman. But if I hadn't done that, if I'd have stayed in my comfortable job in Rifle, Colorado, and or Grand, I was actually in Grand Junction at the time, look in just doing my regular family medicine, I would have never lost my job, Lord willing, never lost my job in <laughs> some other circumstances. But you know, I would have not lost my job overnight, and I wouldn't have been presented the telemedicine opportunity. I had to go through those really hard things and think about: Did I make the wrong decision by leaving and you know pursuing this? But now you look back in time, again, 2020 vision in the rearview mirror, it was absolutely the right decision because I feel that God was putting me on a path to present this opportunity. Because if I hadn't gone through that experience, having lost a job and then doing telemedicine and looking at starting something like this, <laughs> and I mean, it, that's a scary thing to be, le- I've left my day job since then, so I'm fully self-employed, which is crazy as a physician. But when you're looking at that and you're just thinking here like, whoa, I would have never, I, those steps had to happen. I had to build that, that resiliency is there. You just have to trust it. You just have to you know, know that surround yourself with the people that are going to believe in you and have those conversations, have hard conversations, make, think hard, critically think about things. What is the best thing right now for me? Is it staying where I am or is it going pursuing? Maybe it is walking through the door and maybe it's shutting the door, but another door will open, right? You know, my job ended in Florida, but now the telemedicine opened, which opened to this. So you guys just believe in the path that the the world, I believe it's God, universe, whatever you want to call it, that higher power is laying out for you. But you can't be afraid. If you're fearful, you're going to turn from it. it those, those opportunities, they come and they go. They may present themselves another way, but you also may be continually walking away from the most wonderful life you can lead. And it's just, it's so worth it. So do it. Yes. Yes. She's speaking our language. I love it. Dr. Marvis, thank you so much for being on the show. So appreciate thank your time. You. And uh, I'm, I feel so blessed to be able to get this out to at least our community. And I will encourage all of everybody who listens to this to tell somebody in your circle, if not five people today about plant-based telehealth, because it really is exactly what the world has been waiting for. So thank you so much. Thank you so much. It was an honor to be here.